0: Let's turn to Colossians 3, 12 through 17 to see, let's see what the Apostle Paul has to say about singing. We will focus, the focus of the sermon will be on verse 16, but really, this sermon is on two words in this passage, singing psalms. Please stand in honor of the reading of God's word, Colossians 3. 12 through 17. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of our Lord. Let's be to God. Let me pray for us. Father, may the word of Christ, may the word of Christ dwell richly in us this very hour. We pray, we pray with the power of your spirit, And in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. So, if God had a Spotify account, what kind of music would be in his library? As I considered this question, I thought things like, Sting. He would definitely have Sting. Maybe a couple of Coldplay songs. A whole lot of Avid Brothers. Punch Brothers. Almond Brothers. Any band with a Brothers. Snarky Puppy. God would definitely have Snarky Puppy. Maybe some 80s metal uh, for when he has, to di- he has to dismantle oppressive tyrants. Certainly Dave Matthews Band. Bach. Absolutely Bach. And one of my favorites, a little unknown album called Uncommon Ritual by Edgar Meyer... Bella Fleck, and Mike Marshall. That would absolutely make God's library. He probably has a couple of country songs. Actually, an entire playlist of country songs. One's one's with wonderful stories. But I'm most certain that he has several playlists full of jazz and funk. So... Once I got past making God's Spotify library into the image of my own account, I found something magnificent. Music is all around us. For instance, songs help filmmakers capture the intensity of a scene, and it's rare when we find a movie without at least some sort of soundtrack. Music is all around us. As John Frame put it, even human speech, even human speech has a kind of natural music about it. Rhythm, timbre, and pitch play important roles in verbal communication. In one sense, all language is musical. That's John Frame. Music is all around us. Psalm 96, that we read earlier, says that the trees sing for joy. God has the singing of trees blaring from his Spotify library. The psalmist also tells that all creation sings. The cows, when they are lowing, are singing to God. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's Psalm 150, and I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be shouted. I'm pretty sure that God has a playlist Devoted to the stars and the moon and the sun, shining to sing of his glory and splendor and majesty across the universe. All creation sings. Heaven and earth sing to his glory. Even Genesis 1 is a poem and a song. God sang creation into existence. Music is all around us. But God has a special section a special section of his Spotify library. And if the words Spotify and Playlist are foreign to you or making you glaze over, what I'm about to talk about, think of it it as God's set-apart compilation album, if that helps, Or, or God's great anthology of songs, or even God's special set of vinyl records. God's holy musical library is the songs that he wrote for his people to sing. Throughout history, he has put his his image bearers into stories and given them words and melodies and instruments and rhythms to specifically sing of his works and his character. And Paul, in our passage, calls these things psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But I think if God had a most, I, I think God has a most holy playlist. And I think it would be the Psalms. Excuse me. I think it is the Psalms. Now, that being said, uh, American Presbyterians, American Presbyterians in the past mostly just sang the Psalms, actually. Um, It seems to me today that the opposite is true. Evangelical Christians today focus on what we might call hymns and spiritual songs, we sing bits and pieces of psalms, and uh, we don't often sing the songs in their entirety. Many of us have memorized parts of the psalms, or even whole psalms, but few of us have probably sung the psalms like God's people did in the Old Testament. I mean, it's, it's challenging to sing Hebrew poetry, even when it's translated into English, isn't it? Also, I, I know there's some of you who do not have a bent towards poetry, and some of you just absolutely can't sting, cannot stand singing, so you may have shut down already. I hope not. And maybe the psalms just generally frustrate you. I had a guy in church in Katie that just could not stand the psalms. He just he didn't He was a wonderful man. My hope for you, and my hope for all of us, is that we are compelled to actually want to sing psalms as we continue this series. And we're actually going to practice that a bit this summer, singing the Psalms. At the very least, I hope you are compelled to read them, digest them, chew on them, go to them. Now, why does Paul tell us that we should sing the Psalms? Well, an easy answer that comes to mind is that the Psalms are God's word. And we, we, we want to make sure that we are singing things that are true, things that are true and beautiful and and right. As Paul says in verse 16, that the word of Christ might dwell richly in us. Another reason we might sing the Psalms is because our Presbyterian mothers and fathers did. And, And so we're connecting with them in some sense if we sing the Psalms. But there's a greater reason to sing the Psalms and those mothers and fathers were pointing back to a more profound reason. A more profound reason and here it is. Jesus, Jesus sang the Psalms. That may be obvious to you, but Jesus sang the Psalms. And how can we know he sang them? Well, the obvious response is that it would have been normal for a Jewish boy raised in Israel in the first century to sing the Psalms. The Psalms were the hymn book. They were the hymnal of God's people. If that alone doesn't convince you, the Psalms are the most quoted book in the New Testament. Also, at the Last Supper, Jesus sang one of the Hallel songs, which are Psalms one thirteen through one eighteen, and they were always sung during the Passover feast. Jesus sang the psalms, and in his singing of the psalms, Jesus learned the psalms. What did he learn? He, well, and what will we learn by singing the psalms? First, Jesus learned that the 150 psalms were broken into five different books, probably patterned after the five books of Moses. He certainly learned who wrote the psalms. Uh, That Psalm 90 is attributed to Moses, that King David wrote 73 of the psalms. He uh, he learned of other psalmists, Solomon, David's son, Asaph, the sons of Korah, men named Himon and Ethan, who were Ezraites. And then there were some unknown artists. There were some unknown psalmists. And just a side note, that's quite a playlist full of poets inspired by God. It's a compilation that spans from 1450 B.C. to 400 B.C. So if you think rock ballads of the 80s or love songs of the 70s, 80s, 90s or summer hits of 2010 were great compilation, imagine a compilation spanning 1000 years and capturing i think every single human emotion and experience that's the psalms that's part that's part of what Jesus learned by singing the psalms but more profoundly Jesus learned and grew in wisdom by singing the content of the Psalms, Luke two says that as a child Jesus grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And psalms are called wisdom literature, and there are even psalms called wisdom psalms. Hebrew says, excuse me, Hebrews five says that Jesus learned obedience. Is this is it, is it striking to you that Jesus had to learn obedience, and grow, in wisdom? The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, had to grow. And one way he grew, and that one way he grew and was shaped as a human was through worship. If it's not a little jarring to you that Jesus had to learn and grow in wisdom and that he had to learn the Psalms, then maybe this will get you like it got me this week. Jesus wrote the Psalms. If what the Bible says is true about Jesus, that he is the Son of God, Lord over all things, that his Father and the Holy Spirit, that through his Father and the Holy Spirit, he inspired the psalmists, Jesus wrote the Psalms. And he had to learn the Psalms as a human. If that just like confuses you, it does me and there's so much more to say about it and come talk to me after if you if you want to i could spend a lot of time talking about it my oldest daughter raven will be oh boy <laughs> Thought I was going to make it she will be married in 7 weeks And I'm crying out of joy because I love the guy. (laughs) Um, It seems like yesterday that she was four years old and started to sit with me. Started to sit with me in worship. We always sat on the front row because I uh, always noticed that my kids behaved better when they were on the front row. Because everybody's watching them and they know it. That's just a, a, a worship pro tip for your parents, by the way. When it was time to sing, we would stand. And I would stand upright. God, I can't do it. I would stand upright and I would, I would hold Raven and I would clutch her to my side so that she wouldn't squirm. Most of the time, that's what I did, right? And I would belt out the, the hymns like a good Christian and uh, she would kind of play with the hymn of her dress and look up at me occasionally. One particular Sunday, I decided to squat down behind her and hold my arms around her with the hymnal and let her hold the hymnal, and I would whisper the words of the hymn into her ears right before each line, and, and she would catch a couple of words every time, and she'd just sing. She Raven always loved to sing. <clears throat> the next Sunday... After worship, a woman from the choir approached me with something in her hand. And she reached out and she gave me a picture frame. I turned it over and inside was a poem. A poem she had written about Raven and me. As she observed us, she observed us from the, from the choir loft each week. The last line of the poem said this, and the little girl will always remember. Always remember the day her daddy became just her size. The one who wrote the Psalms had to learn the Psalms like a little girl. Through singing the psalms, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, through what we call the psalms of thanksgiving and praise, like you and me and Raven learned as a human what it is to adore and give thanks to his heavenly Father. The second person of the Trinity, through what we call the psalms of confidence, like you and me and Raven learned as a human what it is to trust his father, trust that his father was faithful throughout history as he certainly sang Psalm 23 God is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So Jesus wrote the Psalms and he also learned his job from the Psalms. Jesus wrote. And learned and sang that he was king of kings and Lord of Lords. That's Psalm two, Psalm 8 and Psalm 89. He wrote and learned and sang that he would be obedient all the way to death. That's Psalm 40. He wrote and learned and sang of the anguish that he would have to endure to fulfill the work he was called to do. that he would suffer, that he would be betrayed that he would die, that he would be resurrected, that he would ascend to his father. It's all in the Psalms, Psalms 69, 41, 22, 16, and 68. He learned of his calling. Similar to what C.S. Lewis once said, using his little framework, to compose the Psalms, to compose them, to sing them, and then to quote them and then to go through fulfilling the psalms, what the psalms said about the Messiah. Jesus was either crazy or he was God. And nobody thinks he's crazy. And so not only did he learn the psalms through singing, but singing the psalms also helped Jesus to fulfill his vocational calling. And listen to this. That's uh, my favorite. Jesus fulfilled his calling through singing psalms. Of lament. If you don't know what Psalms of lament are, um, let me explain. Sometimes there are things in our lives, things so dark and deep that all we want to do, we don't want to sing for joy. All we want to do is groan, and somehow it's good for us to groan through singing. I once went to a funeral where I was the only white person present. It was awkward and revealing and refreshing even. When the funeral started, there was no hiding. There were no attempts to hold it all together. You could just feel, I was on the back row, and I could feel the pain coming from the family. There was no mistaking it. This unashamed wailing and singing and groaning that just, just could not stop. Emoting, they were emoting that death is not the way it's supposed to be. This kind of lament can only happen through the language of singing and wailing. And even though it's embarrassing, we need it. We we need it because there are all sorts of things to lament. We, We lament things like racism and class discrimination and child slavery and abuse and abortion. The beautiful thing, the beautiful thing is that As God, through the Psalms, invites us to even lament personal struggles. He he gives us permission to sing and wail, How long, O Lord? And where is your steadfast love? Because I can't see it right now. So in the Psalms, we gosh, we get to ask questions like, how long, O oh Lord, must I endure this person who is causing me so much pain? How do we even get here? How long, O oh Lord, must I, must I put up with this coworker? Why does she have to be so hateful? Or things like, why can't I shake this sin? Or maybe why do I always why do I always seem to mess up my life? Why can't I be better? Why do things seem stacked against me? And why does that jerk over there always win? That's actually Psalm 73. ASAF. <laughs> it's like my favorite. Why can't I ever be content? I'm always so Anxious and restless. How many more times, O oh Lord, must you take someone from me? Can't you just take me? Or things like, why does no one see or hear me? I feel like such a stranger. The Psalms give us permission to lament all these things. And it's right here where we groan sing and we groan sing with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus fulfills all the songs, even our laments. Jesus, he was praying alone in the Garden of Gethsemane, waiting to be arrested. I mean, waiting to be arrested, so lonely. Just before he was arrested, he told Peter, James, and John that he was exceedingly sorrowful. We have a God who says to us that his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow even unto death. Now imagine Jesus singing this psalm of lament in that moment Be gracious to me, O God, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life, for in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? Jesus lamented in the garden, Keep me from death, Father, but if it be your will, I will take death. I will take on Sheol. Jesus lamented in the garden, and Jesus lamented on the cross. On the cross, in his very darkest hour, Jesus cried a psalm that he surely learned as a boy. Psalm 22, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can't stop thinking about this. Hanging on a cross for six hours. Six hours hanging. I can't imagine how lonely. The sorrow. Is it possible that in that moment, Jesus sang the Hebrew melody that went with those words? What if it was a groan sing? cry with an actual melody that fell from his parched lips my god why have you forsaken me psalm 22 i can't get over that the one true god (laughs) the one true god who sang creation into existence that his very last words before his death were a song taking everything that we lament. Even taking every lament, Jesus took the wrath of the Father for the sin of the world, and in the most defining moment of human history, he sang a song of lament all the way to death. But do you remember uh, that even at the hour of his death, there were hints hints even towards psalms of joy. Even in the hour of his death, the gospel of Matthew tells us that the temple veil was torn in two, that the earth shook and tombs were opened and dead people were raised. That's how powerful his death was. The, the, the psalms, the, see, the psalms in Jesus don't stop at Lament. Even at his death, the raising of the dead pointed to the coming resurrection of Jesus in three days. Matthew tells us that when he was raised, all those people went to Jerusalem and appeared to others. I mean, can you imagine Jesus and those people singing Psalm 16 that was our call to worship this morning? Preserve me, O God, for you have not abandoned my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I mean, can you imagine? I, I, can, you, I, can you imagine them running through the streets, probably singing or getting with their loved ones and singing? Surely, surely they sing. you have not abandoned my soul to Sheol. I mean, don't you do this? Like when you're experiencing something, when you're caught up in some moment, like preparing for some challenge or or just working or just going about your day, you you start singing a song because something reminds you of that song, right? It just comes out. at At the very least, it stays in your head. What a celebration. We have a God who wrote laments, We have a God who entered into our laments and lets us sing with him. And even in lament, we have a God who sings and leads us into new songs, songs of redemption, psalms of joy and contentment and thanksgiving because death has been put to death. After Jesus conquered death, you know all too well that he appeared to his disciples and they ate breakfast together. They had fish. He said to them, Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Do you see why it's a good idea for us to sing the Psalms? We get Jesus. We get Jesus. Jesus sang the Psalms, Jesus learned the Psalms, Jesus. Fulfilled the Psalms, and it all culminates into this. We're almost there, I promise. It all culminates into this Jesus leads us in the Psalms. The first musical concert that I ever went to was here in Chattanooga, like 1989. This, this festival on the Tennessee River, you may have heard of it, Riverbend. I was probably 12 years old. Tracy Chapman. You know Tracy? Y'all know Tracy? You got a fast car. I got a plan to get us out of here. Been working at a convenience store. Managed to save just a little bit of money. Yeah, I knew. I knew. I knew. Oh. knew it would embarrass you. For weeks, I counted down. For weeks, I knew the concert was coming. I had her first album. I listened to the album over and over and over in anticipation. Uh, I was able to sing every song, and I couldn't wait to sing with her in all of her glory. And it was majestic. Everybody around me just belting out the songs, pumping fists. It was amazing. And And that night, Tracy Chapman was like a worship leader. greater than the Coca-Cola main stage of the Riverbend Festival. Our worship leader's platform is the entire universe. And our worship leader didn't just write jazz standards or musicals or Broadway tunes. Our worship leader didn't just write gospel music or arias or choral music or Latin rhythms that'll make you flinch. Our worship leader didn't just write psalms or hymns or spiritual songs. Greater than that, our worship leader created rhythm, timbre, pitch, melody, harmony, and poetry. And he created it out of nothing. This is the one who leads us. He is the one on stage and the entire cosmos, all all of creation is his congregation. And yet Jesus condescends to us. He sings with us. Even in our most feeble attempts, even in our most feeble attempts to sing to him, he is standing with you As you hold a bulletin or as you look on the screen, but even lower than that, the king of kings squats to the level of the little girl and he becomes just our size. And all at the same time, he somehow receives our worship and presents our worship to the Father by his spirit, united as one. This is why the psalms are so good for us, not only to study but also to sing. Jesus sang the psalms. We need to sing God's word to each other so that it will dwell in us richly. Music is all around us. God made music all around us and Jesus sang his favorite playlist. Let's also import it into our libraries and sing it. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the one who has created all things and all things sing for your glory. We ask that you would help us to to know that, to embrace it, to love you, to adore you, to unite with you and sing and live with you and pursue all of the things that you have called us to do. We need your help in all of this. We pray in Jesus' name.